Well, hey, listen, we are starting a brand new series today entitled Rebranded. And rebranded is this idea, again, just this idea of brands is where we're going to go for the next several weeks. When I talk about brands, I'm talking about names, I'm talking about tags, I'm talking about titles, I'm talking about all those things that we experience many times in life. When I talk about brands or rebranded, again, I'm talking about these things that sometimes it's names that we are given, sometimes they're names that we earn, and sometimes they're names that we desire. And when I say names that we are given, think about this. Uh, probably if you meet somebody for the first time, one of the first questions that you're asked is, what's your name? Again, that's, that's how we're identified first and foremost. It's on our birth certificate. It's on our driver's license. Like our name is so critical to identify who we are. But what's crazy about it is we had nothing to do with the name we have, right? You were given a name before you could even talk. I know uh, there's a lot of unique names. I've known many names all over throughout my life. Uh, Pastor Chili has two boys. I love, man, his names. I remember when they were born, being friends with Pastor Chili, his two boys, his oldest son, Maximus Aslan. What What a cool name. I mean, he didn't pick it, but man, what a great name. His younger son, Chase Truth. Wow, I mean, again, it's just a name that he was given before he was ever born, didn't get to pick it. I know for me, we have three kids, and probably like many of you who've had children, again, you, you know, you find out you're going to have a kid, and you start having these debates of what you're going to name your children. I remember when we found out that Shauna was pregnant with our oldest, Kayla, I remember having conversations like, hey, what, what are we going to name this child? And then we found out it was a girl, and we started going through baby books and started figuring out names, and we had a list, and I remember we finally narrowed it down. I believe the name that we had settled on was Kylie. And uh, finally the day came and and Kayla was born. And Sean and I both agreed, looking at this newborn baby, like here's what we knew is she doesn't look like a Kylie. And so, but we, we didn't know what she looked like. We just knew she didn't look like a Kylie. And so actually the nurse kept coming in Uh, telling us we had to come up with a name, so much so that Shauna was about to be discharged, and they told us if we didn't come up with a name, that Kayla would be officially called Baby Girl Husky, and we'd have to go through a legal name change. And so somehow we settled on this name, Kayla. Lauren came along, and we knew right away what we were going to call Lauren. We gave her a name. Her name was Lauren Elizabeth, and we picked the name Lauren. It just felt right, but we gave her the name Elizabeth because that was my mom's middle name. Or so we thought. We found out about when Lauren was about six years old, we were having a conversation actually with my mom. And I'll never forget, she looked at us and she asked us like, hey, where did you get Lauren's name? And I'm like, mom, we, we named her after you. We gave her your middle name. My mom said, my, my middle name's not Elizabeth. It was horrible, horrible. I wonder if we get like, you know, an A for effort. Would we get credit for the attempt? And then when Zach was born, again, we, we gave him the name Zachariah, which is a name that means God remembers his promise. But here's my point is I have three kids. They each have their own name, and they had no say in the name that they were given. And I'm not just talking about names that were given when we were born. I'm talking about nicknames. Think about some of the nicknames you grew up with or that you still carry. I'm not talking about the ones that maybe you like. I'm talking about the ones that aren't so flattering I'm talking about the the ones that maybe highlight or accent a a part of you or a part of your personality that you don't really care about and people have picked on and made fun of. Again, all of us, we have names and we all have tags and we all wear brands. And again, some some of those are given and some of them are earned. 
I know, for example, some of the staff that's sitting behind me during this message, right, when I think about each of them, I can immediately think about something that defined who they are, like Pastor Ryan is an encourager. Like, if you wanna feel better about yourself, like, you wanna feel like you can kill giants, like hang out with Pastor Ryan, like he's an encourager. That's, that's what he's known by. He's earned that title. You know, the same, like Pastor, Pastor Ronnie, he's, if you want a straight answer, come to me. Like, if you just want the bottom line truth, come talk to me. But for real, if you want a confidant, if you want someone to, to help walk you through something, everybody on our staff knows it. Pastor Ronnie's a great person to go to. So again, we have names that we've been given. We have names that we've earned. And some of us have names that we desire. Like, think about it. If, what do you wish someone thought of when they thought of you? What's the title you wish you carried? What's the name you wish you had? What's the way you, you wished you were identified by? And so as we go through this series, I just wanna just really dig in and kind of have this understanding. And here's where we're gonna go through this series is when you come into a relationship with your Redeemer, you get rebranded, which means no matter whatever name you were given when you came into this world, no matter what title uh, someone else pinned on you, no matter what name someone picked on you, no matter what someone's tagged you with, when you come to Jesus, you get a whole new identity. You get rebranded by the Redeemer. Come on, that's, that's a powerfully profound way to view the lens of your life that we're gonna talk about for the next several weeks. And here's why, because when you live with the, with the wrong tags, when you live with the wrong names, when you live with the wrong identity, it can be incredibly discouraging and devastating. I mean, I want you to think about a lot of times that the weight of what we're carrying in life, a lot of times the tension that we experience is tied to the tags that we embrace. When, when, when someone tags us with this negative connotation or someone speaks a word over our life or someone, someone's critical about the way we look or a character attribute and it minimizes us or it, it, it makes us feel insignificant in this world, when you carry and you walk under the weight of that tag or that brand or that title, again, it can hold you back. It can create an unnecessary tension in your life by carrying the wrong tag. But when you come to Christ, he rebrands us. He gives us a new name. He gives us some new titles. He gives us some new tags. And through this series, I want us to experience them because when you live this life with the right tag, when you walk through this life and through this world with the right names, with the right connotations, when you experience the rebranding of your Redeemer, you can live on a whole nother level of being empowered, of being encouraged, of being uplifted, I know for me, um, I, I try to be very careful of how I allow other people to define me because if, if you allow just anybody to define you, they can quickly redefine you and what can cause you to be lifted up can also cause you to be cut, out, cut down pretty quick. But I know this, I've had, you know, uh, just last week, someone sent me a message and, and told me, they're like, Pastor, what a great message. Thanks so much for Easter. And they said this, like, you're one of the best communicators. And I'm just telling you, man, like, I walked in this place like, oh, come on. Like just that tag, that title, just gave me just a new level of confidence. So what would happen if you put away the titles? What would happen if we dispense with the brands? What would happen if we let go of the tags this world's given us, that sometimes we've unfortunately given ourselves, that people outside have laid on us, that are holding us back, that are devastating us, that are discouraging us? And what would happen if we picked up and we really carried and owned the titles and the tags and the names and the brands that Christ came to give us? Rebranded. 
And so I want us to, to dig into this. I think, again, this is such a timely series. Again, this series has been, um, has been on my radar for uh, probably about six months. It's, all, it's really taken a new shape because I think this series is so timely specifically for the season we're in. And here's why. is because a lot of times the, the titles and the tags we carry are tied to the careers and the connections we have. Right? They're, tied to, they're tied to this idea of, of who we are and what we do. A lot of times who we are and how we feel about ourselves are tied to our relationships and our responsibilities. But here's what a lot of you know is because of the COVID, a lot of your connections and a lot of your careers have been governed and put on hold. And all of a sudden, when you start getting robbed of what you do, you start questioning who you are. And so some of you need a better name even than your title. Like I know mom's a great title. I know husband's a powerful title. I know being a doctor or a lawyer or whatever career path. I know a lot of those titles carry weight through relationships and through responsibilities, through, through our connections and through our careers. But even in seasons that we don't anticipate, they can rob us of those titles and we're left lost. But there are some titles and there are some brands and there are some names that Christ gives us that no matter what we go through, whether we're on the mountaintop or the valley, whether we're in COVID or in career mode, whether we're prospering or whether we're struggling, those identities of who Christ has called us remain no matter what. Rebranded is the best way to live. And so I want us to jump into a story. It's found in Genesis, Genesis chapter 29. And we're gonna go through a lot of scripture here. Genesis chapter 29, it's, it's the story of the sister wives. Now, the sister wives is a story that happened in scripture long before it was a show on TLC. Come on, I'm just TLC is biting off the Bible because the Bible had it first. Jacob is kind of the key character in this story, but we're gonna hone in on literally, I mean, think about this. It'd be an, it's, it's always enough to manage one relationship. Uh, Jacob, he marries two girls and their sisters. Like that's, that's some crazy madness and just gives you reason to read your Bible, the fact that this story goes down. But Jacob, the reason his story is recorded in Scripture, first of all, is because of the lineage that God's Word in the Old Testament is tracking. From the time that God chooses a man by the name of Abraham, God follows one family line all the way through King David, all the way ultimately through Christ. So it was Abraham he had multiple kids, but there was Isaac, and Isaac had multiple kids, but it follows the family line of Jacob and so forth. And so that's why his story is recorded. But also, as we dig into this, there's so much power-packed content in this story, but I'm gonna try to stay in my lane and try to focus on this idea of being rebranded. And so uh, before we jump into Genesis 29, 16 and 17 is where we're gonna start, let me just give you some background. So Jacob, again, he is... Uh, he's really known as, his name literally means the deceiver. And so he's the younger of two twin brothers. Literally, they come out of the womb one right after the other. Jacob is literally the younger brother by just a few seconds. But he, he always strives. He wants to be the oldest because in those times, the oldest had privileges and had rights that no other child in the household had. And so he was always looking to be the favored son. He always wanted to be the favorite. And since he couldn't earn it, he figured out a way to steal it. And you can read about this story. It's kind of crazy. It happens just two chapters before this. But ultimately, uh, Jacob deceives his father, Isaac, 
into speaking the blessing over his life. It was a tradition at that time, but it really held significant, uh, significant spiritual power and authority that when the father of a household spoke a blessing over a child, it really carried spiritual weight. And ultimately, Jacob didn't want to miss it, so he stole the blessing from his older brother Esau. And he ultimately deceives his father into blessing the wrong child. When his older brother Esau finds out about it, about it, he's so mad, he wants to kill his younger brother Jacob. So Jacob goes on the run. And on the run, ultimately, Jacob finds himself going to his uncle's house, Laban. And this is where the story picks up. He gets into the land where Laban lives, and the first person he meets is his, is his niece, Rachel. Now, just sidebar real quick. I know this is not culturally acceptable today, but in these times, it was not only okay to marry uh, two sisters, uh, but it was okay if those sisters were your niece. I know we live in some states that that's kind of for debate, but here in this time, it was okay. It was okay. And so he gets here and he runs into his niece, Rachel. And watch this, Genesis 29, 16 and 17. It says, now Laban, again, this is its uncle, had two daughters. The oldest daughter was named Leah and the younger one was Rachel. And then listen to this. Verse 17, there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Now I want you to just see this real, real quick because right away we see that, that as this story is recorded about Jacob coming and having a connection with Rachel, it contrasts Rachel with her sister Leah. And it says this, again, listen to this translation, it says that Leah had no sparkle in her eye. Now you can read 20 translations and this phrase in the original language is just hard, it's just hard to put in the English language. Everybody has a different opinion what it means. And some people say it meant she, uh, she had weary eyes. Some, some people say tired eyes. Uh, some people, uh, some, some people think maybe she had like crazy eyes, a lazy eye. We don't really know for sure, but here's what we know is that they're trying to contrast. Listen to this. She wasn't, Leah wasn't even a butterface. You know what a butterface girl is, don't you? Oh, I'm, I'm not even gonna go there. There wasn't nothing good. Basically, what the author is saying, as Jacob saw these two girls, uh, Leah and Rachel, that basically Rachel, listen to what it says, she had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. She had it going on. Leah had a good personality. Come on. Come on. Rachel was girlfriend material. Leah was just friend material. That's really what it's saying. But here's what I want you to hear is, you better believe that the way the author is contrasting these two girls between Leah and Rachel is this wasn't news to Leah. This is something she experienced, I believe, her entire life. She always knew she was second fiddle to her beautiful sister, Rachel. I just believe that she grew up underneath the weight of that and the struggle of that and the tag of that. Like there was Laban's daughter, there was, there was Rachel and Rachel's sister. Like, I don't even think like people knew her name. It's like, hey, there's, what's her name? There's, there's Laban's daughter, Rachel, and there's other, like da uh, Laban's other daughter. Like in my mind, I'm thinking she grew up in probably elementary school, junior high. You know when it can get vicious and you start getting the tags? Like she was lazy eye Leah. 
And everybody, nobody wanted to be friends with, everybody wanted to date Rachel, nobody wanted to date Leah. Everybody wanted to get with Rachel and get her digits, nobody cared what, what Leah's phone number was. Everybody made fun of Leah, everybody wanted to be best friends with Rachel. And I just know that she carried and struggled the weight of that her entire life, that even as an adult, this is how she is defined. What I'm trying to tell you is this isn't just a Leah issue, this is a life issue. We all live with the burden of being branded. We all carry the weight of a title someone laid on us, of a tag somebody gave us, of what other people think about us. And those things, like we, we don't just forget those. When somebody calls you a name, especially repeatedly, when you carry the weight of that through school, when people refuse to identify or to acknowledge or, or to own that you have any value or any purpose, that becomes so devastating to our heart that, that lazy-eyed Leah is us. We may not have a lazy eye, but all of us have deficiencies. All of us have struggles. I'm telling you, find even the beautiful girl in your workplace or in your school or in our community that would be the Rachel, and I promise you that she's been branded and she's carrying the burden of that brand. And it's true for all of us. And at some point, we have to lay down the brand that this world's given us or people have given us, and we need to be rebranded by our Redeemer. Come on. So watch this, Genesis 29, 18, this story goes on. And so basically Jacob falls in love and he wants to marry Rachel. And so he's hanging out, he's working for Uncle Laban and listen to this, it says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. This is this is a great place for you to look at the person next to you and come on, just own this, own this right here. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him, but just a few days. Man, that's, come on, we need some, we need some love music right there. Come on, need some baby face. Y'all remember baby face back in the day. Uh, he's saying he worked, he was so in love with Rachel. He was so infatu infatuated with her beauty that he was willing to work seven years to earn the right to marry her. Now, I'm just telling you, that's, that's pretty profound. And he says that he worked these seven years and the time flew by so fast. And what made the time tick so quick was his love for Rachel. And I can relate to it. Sean and I, when we were dating, when I, when I transferred out of Akron University, went to Bible college, I, I went from living five minutes away from Sean while we were dating to living six hours away and I drove home six hours every single weekend to see her. And I'm just telling you, that drive to see Shauna was quick because I was in love. That drive to go back to school felt like it was 20 hours. The distance, what made the distance quick was love. And this is exactly what's being, is, is being acknowledged here is, again, is the value and the significance of Rachel that Jacob puts on her because of her beauty and because of his love, that that seven years flies by. And so when the seven years is up, Jacob goes to Uncle Laban. He's like, Uncle Laban, it's time for you to give me my prize. I've been working seven years to marry your daughter. The seven years is up. So they put on a, a, put on a wedding. They put on a feast. There's a celebration. There's a party. There's probably just a little bit of drinking. And then this happens. Watch this. Genesis 29 Verse 23, it says this, but that night when it was dark, so uh, Jacob thinks he's in the honeymoon suite with Rachel, but watch this, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. 
Boys, it's a bad night when you sleep with the wrong girl on your honeymoon. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, I love this, it was Leah. It's lazy-eyed Leah. Like, <laughs> like all of a sudden he woke up and the woman he thought he had slept with the night before to consummate the marriage and officially make his wife, it wasn't beautiful Rachel, it was lazy-eyed Leah. And he is so upset that this man, Uncle Laban, played a trick on him that he runs out of the house naked to track down his uncle. And he says this, what have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I've worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? And Laban says, it's, it's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. Laban replied, but wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. So check this out real quick. So he falls in love with Rachel, wants to marry Rachel. In order to marry Rachel, he agrees with Rachel's dad, Uncle Laban, to work seven years for him. At the end of seven years, he gets to the honeymoon only to find out he's been tricked. It was a bait and switch and he sleeps with Leah, officially making Leah his wife because he still loves Rachel. He goes back and says, hey, I still want Rachel. And so Laban gives him Rachel, but says, I'm gonna give you Rachel, but you have to work seven years after you have Rachel. Now I'm gonna give you three. I, I'm, as a communicator, it's really important. And I try to teach other young communicators this, that you stay on point, keep the main thing, the main thing. And I'm gonna break that rule tonight because there's so much content in here. And as I was preparing for this, I felt like there's some things that God wanted me to say to some of you that are watching tonight. So I'm gonna give you kind of, I want you to write these points down or write these thoughts down in your main notes, like flip a page and write these somewhere else. But I think this is powerful when you think about Jacob sleeping with Leah and having to work again to get Rachel. Think about this. If you take a note, here's just three side notes and we'll come back to the main message on being rebranded. Number one, stop working for God's love. When I say stop working for God's love, I'm telling you this is a prime picture of the, of the law and grace. What I'm telling you is what the law tells you is that you have to work for God's love, that you have to try to earn God's love, that if you'll pray enough, give enough, serve enough, do enough good deeds, be a good enough person, that one day, maybe eventually, God will give you his love. The flip side, that's not what grace is. Grace is God gives us his love. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough for it. It's just a gift. And so ultimately, some people try to work their whole life to earn God's love, and some people work because they have God's love. And what we find is, is that ultimately Jacob worked seven years only to end up with Leah. That's the law is you work to get something. The other side is ultimately Jacob was given Rachel and because he loved her so much, he was still willing to put in the work of another seven years. I don't serve God to make him love me. I serve God because he already loves me. It's not my please, it's my thank you. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, listen, stop working for God's love. Number two, side note, keep working for your marriage. Come on. Did you, did you pick up that this, this guy is so in love that he's willing to work seven years to marry Rachel? Now, that's not really new news because probably many of us who are watching this message who are married or who are on our way to getting married, like during that dating phase, we're putting in the work. 
We're writing the love letters. We're dropping off flowers at random times. Come on, we're, we're stopping by and buying little teddy bears and like just letting our loved one know, hey, I'm thinking about you. We're sending little texts and little emojis with hearts and we're putting in all the work because we're living for the day that we get married. The problem is there's way too many marriages that give up on the labor after they get married. And I'm just telling you, if you want a great marriage, it's gonna take more work to stay married than it took you to get married. And I'm just telling you, when you, when you follow what Jacob did, Jacob was willing to keep working for the relationship that he already had. Come on, you need to stop working for God's love and you need to start working for a great marriage. And number three, real quick sidebar, you can't live like Laban without eventually waking up to Aaliyah. You can't live like a Laban without eventually waking up to Aaliyah. What I mean by that is when you read the story of how Jacob is fooled into sleeping with and consummating the relationship with Leah. Again, this guy is thinking he's on his honeymoon. Imagine it's pretty dark. They didn't have lights and LED like we have now. So in the honeymoon suite, it's kind of dark and he gets tricked into sleeping with the wrong girl. Well, you know how he got the blessing, remember? This is, Jacob is experiencing, he is reaping what he sowed. Because the exact same way that he got the blessing was by deceiving his father into thinking he was somebody else is the same way he got married to the wrong girl. Someone tricked him into thinking she was somebody else. What I'm trying to tell you is that that eventually showed up. It may have happened, watch this, it might have happened seven years later, but eventually that decision to be a deceiver came back to bite him. And I'm just telling you, a lot of us, we live this life thinking because we haven't got caught yet, we're not gonna get caught because it hasn't caught up to us yet. It's never gonna catch up to us. And God's word makes a promise, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that's what they're gonna reap, which means when you live your life trying to deceive people, when you live your life making bad financial decisions, when you live your life not investing in your marriage, eventually that's gonna catch up with you and you're gonna wake up to a broken marriage. You're gonna wake up to an addiction. You're gonna wake up to money problems, not because they all of a sudden showed up, but because you've been making seven years of bad decisions that eventually you wake up to it. And so we got to stop living like a Laban because one day we're going to wake up to Aaliyah and God doesn't have Aaliyah for you. He's got Rachel for you, but we got to live the life that God's called us to if we're going to experience the blessing God has for us. Let's jump back real quick to the story. Come on, everybody say rebranded. So again, listen, just think about this again. Here's Leah who's grown up her whole life, lazy eye Leah. She's been branded. She carries the weight of that, the struggle of that, the hurt of that. So much so that the only way she can get married is that her dad has to trick another man into thinking she's somebody. Can you imagine going to bed every night knowing the man you're married to only married you because you got tricked into it? And so listen to this, Genesis 29 30 and 31, the story keeps going. So Rachel now becomes married to Jacob and it says this, verse 30. So Jacob slept with Rachel too and he loved her much more than Leah. Just a quick question. Do you think it's obvious? If anybody was hanging out with Jacob and his sister wives, do you think it was obvious which one he loved? No doubt about it. It is so crystal clear that basically he loved Rachel, and he tolerated Leah. He put up with her. 
with her lazy eye and her, her bad looks. You might have had a good personality, but, but Rachel, she was lovely and had a beautiful face. He was in love with Rachel and he tolerated Leah. And I'm telling you, I believe everybody knew that, but there's one person above everybody else who knew it. And this is really important. Watch this. Next verse, it says this. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. I, I just wanna just talk just for a few minutes. This is what I wanna just minister on. This is, this is my heart coming today with this series into your heart and into your home is I wanna talk to the Leahs. I wanna talk to the people who are unloved. I wanna talk to the people who've been tagged with hurtful names. I wanna talk, and I'm not talking about just females. I'm talking about males, females. I'm talking about old people and young people. I'm not talking about teenagers who are struggling in junior high. This fits you. I'm talking about adults in the, in the marketplace. I'm talking about young adults trying to figure out the career path. That somebody marked you, somebody undervalued you. That some of you, you feel unnoticed and overlooked. And you carry the weight of that. And like, you're asking the question, does anybody see me? Do I matter to anybody? Do I, have, do I have value to anybody? Maybe you were given a name a long time ago. And like, again, you, you just struggle underneath the weight of that. You carry the pain of that and the hurt of that. And like, everybody knows it. And if you're in this, if you're watching this, I just want you to know, man, listen, maybe nobody else sees you, but I want you to know that God sees you. God recognizes you. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're experiencing. If you're taking notes, God sees the people that, the, that are invisible to this world. God sees the people that are invisible to this world. Listen, if you're here and your dad overlooked you, if you're watching and you grew up in a home and like no, nobody, even, nobody even paid attention to you, your dad never called you on birthdays. He, like you fell out with your, maybe your mom. Or maybe you could never make the team or you could never, maybe, come on, some of you, maybe the title you're carrying, the brand you have is you're single. And there's nothing wrong with being single unless you don't wanna be single and you can't find somebody to love you. And now that's how you define yourself. And you've, like, you feel like, am I defective? Am I a lazy eye, Leah? Like, how come nobody wants me? How come nobody will date me? How come nobody will click my profile? Come on, how come? How? And all of us, we feel the weight of being tagged or branded. We all feel the weight of carrying a name that we don't want. And we feel like nobody sees us. I want you to know, I love this. Even though Leah was overlooked by her entire family, and she was unloved by the very man who married her. God saw Leah, and God sees you too. Just because other people can't see your value doesn't mean you don't have any. Other thing real quick I think is important in this is, again, God sees the people that are invisible to this world. God uses the people that have no purpose to this world. I'm just saying, listen, you may, maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe you didn't make the cut. Maybe you didn't get into the school of your choice. Maybe you couldn't make it into your career path. Maybe you didn't make the entrance exam. Maybe you failed, like, maybe you failed whatever, your MCATs or whatever, and like, you just could never make the leap. And here you are, you've been defined by failure. You've been, like, you've been tagged by, by being not enough. And, and you're working a job, but it's always a reminder of the job you didn't get. You're in a relationship, but it's always a reminder of the relationship you didn't get. And again, sometimes we feel like, like, man, I just missed it. And again, I want you to know something. While other people maybe didn't see your value and other people didn't see that you could make it, I want you to know something. God will use you in, another, in a way other people maybe wouldn't. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to read this whole section, but I want you to listen to this. 
Here is Paul talking about the cross of Calvary, and then he brings it back to us as God's people. And listen to what he says. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Basically, Paul's saying, listen, people wrestle with this question like, how can, how can a cross, which in the culture of the first century was, was symbolic of a curse, how can something that's symbolic of a curse be a blessing? How can something that someone dies on bring life? How can something that, 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 that shoulders shame ever bring acceptance? And he's saying like, some people don't get it because they don't see the purpose of the cross. But we who, come on, some of you who's watching this at home, come on, you know the power of the cross. It's the cross of Calvary that saved you. It's the cross of Calvary that named you. It's the cross of Calvary that gives you value and purpose. Come on, some of us, we understand the cross. And this is what Paul is saying. Some people get it and some people don't. But what I want you to see is notice specifically who he says doesn't get the value and doesn't get the name. He says, listen to this again. He says, it's the scholars, the philosophers, and the world's brilliant debaters. I'm just telling you, some people who are typically should make the most accurate assessments, assessments will underestimate your value and your purpose. Just because the brilliant coach couldn't see you had value on the field, just because the educator didn't sign you off to get you into your school, just because the boss overlooked you for the promotion, just because that handsome dude you wanted to get with didn't see the value in you as a person. I want you to know just because they don't see it doesn't mean you don't have some. Just because they didn't give you an opportunity doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. I want you to know something, man. I know this is true. People can give you a praise, but they can never give you a purpose. Purpose. They can compliment you, but listen, they can't set you up to do something great. That only comes from God. You say, well, that's the cross. Listen to what Paul goes on. So he's talking about the cross, and he's talking about us. Again, how God sees purpose in us. He says this, verse 27, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things that are despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. Some of you feel counted as nothing at all, less than, less than. You feel like nobody sees me, nobody cares, nobody, and if they look at me, they look at me with disdain. They look at me with, I've been given a tag, I carry a name, and it, it chases me and, and follows me everywhere through life. It's what I go to bed thinking about, it's what I, wake up to thinking about. It's my limitation. It's my governor. It's my wall. It's my barrier. It's my ceiling. It's what's holding me back. And God says, no, no, you're seeing what this world says about you. You need to see what I say about you. Come on, we need to be rebranded by our redeemer. He goes on, he says this, God chose the things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. What I'm telling you is the same way for Leah. This is so big, because you'll notice that even though Jacob didn't love Leah, he loved Rachel. Rachel couldn't get pregnant, but Leah could. This, this is so big. See, in this time, in this culture, 
One of the greatest things that could happen to your family was you having the ability to have children, specifically not just any children, but if you could give as a woman, as you could give as a wife, your husband, not just a child, but a son, you were considered blessed. And Rachel, even though she was deemed by the world to be beautiful, she couldn't deliver on one of the most important purposes of a wife. And I don't shame her for that, but basically God's word is saying, Leah carried a name her entire life that undervalued her, but she's the one who could deliver on the purpose of a bride. She's the one who could deliver the purpose of pregnancy. And I'm just telling you, listen, God accepts what man rejects. God chooses what other people refuse to use. And this is exactly what God did. So I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how you've been branded. I know you're racing through your mind. I know you're wrestling with the weight of it. You go through this, watch this, because this whole story, this whole story is a story of approval, accomplishment, and acceptance. Approval, accomplishment, and acceptance. See, Leah couldn't get the approval of her sister, God. Everybody saw beautiful Rachel, and immediately that's what they called her. That's what she was known as. But lazy-eyed Leah, she couldn't get anybody to approve. So you follow through this story, and we're almost done, but you follow through this story, and all of a sudden, even though she can't get approval, she hopes maybe she's got some achievements she can lean on because she's the one who can give her husband, Jacob, some children. And watch how the story defines this process that ultimately she gets pregnant four times, and every one of her children, she gives a very specific name. Watch this. Genesis 29, 32 to 34. It says, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. Like he didn't love me before. He didn't love me because of my looks. He undervalued me. He overlooked me. I was invisible. I had no purpose, but I was able to deliver a child. So maybe now, if I couldn't get his approval, maybe now through my accomplishment, I can have some love. Well, we know she doesn't get it. Here's how we know is because it goes on and says, verse 33, she soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. And she named him Simeon. For she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved, still unloved and has given me another son, saying, like, maybe the first accomplishment wasn't enough, but maybe if I can do enough accomplishments, if I, can give my, if I can give my husband enough children, maybe he will love me. If I can't get it through approval, I can get it through accomplishment. She kept trying to work for it. She kept trying to earn the title that she thought Jacob could give her, and it just wasn't enough. And she has a third son. Watch. And then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. And he was named Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. See, this is a story, again, of, of, of approval, of accomplishments, and of acceptance. Think about how we define our lives. Because we define our lives, the value we have, the purpose we carry out on this planet. We define that often by those two things, approval and accomplishments. How do other people view me? What, how, do they, how do they validate me? And by our accomplishments, I can point to trophies on a mantle. I can point to certificates. I can point to diplomas. I can point to money. And these are my accomplishments. But what happens, come on, what happens 
when nobody approves of you? What happens when your accomplishments are overlooked? What happens when what you can do isn't enough and you're still named in a way that you don't want? You're still tagged in a way that robs you of value. What happens? Listen to me, at some point, we gotta get past just this idea of approval. We gotta get to this place. We need to move past approval and accomplishments to acceptance and adoption because that's who God's called us. He says this, listen to this. Ephesians chapter one, verse five, I'm almost done. He says, God decided, if I'm talking to you at home and you've been named and you've been branded and you've been tagged in a way that's war on you and been heavy on you, maybe it's been your whole life or maybe it's been just through this season of the COVID that you're carrying a label. Maybe your label that you just got is unemployed and all of a sudden you feel like you don't have value. You feel like you can't deliver, you can't provide a paycheck to your family and you're struggling for purpose. I want you to hear this. We need to move, not that approvals has no value, not that accomplishments have no meaning, but those change and they flux with time and age and seasons we go through. We need something that stands the test of time that's there no matter what we go through. And that's what we find when we are rebranded by our Redeemer. And this is what God's word says. He says this in Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody say, I'm adopted. When you come to Christ, you're adopted. Listen, when you have a kid, you get the kid that came out of the womb. But when you go adopt somebody, you get to pick the kid. I'm telling you, God looked at you in spite of you and he chose you. God looked at you and in spite of you, he chose you, which means our value doesn't come from what we are. Our value comes from what he sees in us. While the world may always name us and tag us and undervalue us and overlook us and cause us to miss our purpose, God sees in you sometimes what we can never see in ourselves. I know the guy overlooked you. I know the boss missed you. I I, I know the entrance people at the college. I know they they didn't give your your application a fair shake. I I know you're still single. I, I know all of that. I know some of us are carrying weights and hurts and scars, but I'm telling you, the God who loved you enough to die for you, he's willing to say you're his and he adopted you. He picked you and maybe nobody else did. God, who am I? I don't know about the approval of people. And I don't know if I have enough accomplishments to make people happy. But as far as God's concerned, I'm accepted and I'm adopted and I belong to him. Last verse and we'll close. So again, here's Leah, lazy-eyed Leah, been rejected her whole life. She's trying to get the approval of this man she was tricked into marrying or he was tricked into marrying her. He can't get the approval because of her looks, her lazy eyes. So she feeds back on accomplishments. She's the one who can start giving him kids. One kid, two kids, three kids, and it's not enough. Not just kids, but sons. And then you get to the fourth son, and here's where the story, there's so much more, but here's where we're gonna end it today. Verse 35, once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son, and she named him Judah. For she said, if you're at home, I want you to read this with me. Now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. Now I'm telling you, watch this. You say, what's the word now mean? I believe with all of my heart, the reason this is here is because she reached this place where she recognized, I I, I can't have it and I can't earn it as far as Jacob's concerned. But what I recognize, this is so powerful. I think she realized like Jacob don't love me, but God must love me. 
because he's blessing me with kids. But God still, you, God does see me. What I'm trying to tell you is if you'll praise in the middle of other people overlooking you, if you'll praise when you feel like you don't have a purpose, if you'll praise when you realize what God said, regardless of what anybody else sees in you and says about you, I'm telling you, that's what will get you over the hump. My prayer for everybody watching is that you will have a now moment. That's who I was then, that's who they said then, that's what I struggled with then, but now I'm adopted and now I'm accepted. God's put his blessing on my life. God's put his grace in my life. God chose me when nobody else chose me. God saw me when everybody else overlooked me. God picked me when nobody would pick me. Come on, I'm God's kid. And listen to me, he picked me, he chose me, and he did you too. Now, I believe with all my heart, you, you follow the story and, and we don't have time. But the next chapter, the whole script flips. And then the weight goes on Rachel. It's like Leah gets set free. You don't love me? Fine. You don't see value in me? Fine. You don't see purpose in me? Okay. Because now I know I'm accepted and I know I'm adopted. And so as we close today, I want you to have the experience that Leah had. I want you to have a now moment where you can move from being abandoned to being accepted and adopted, to being overlooked and undervalued, to knowing that God sees your purpose and he loves you. And my prayer is today that the weight and the value of his opinion would far outweigh the weight of this world's opinion about you. And so if you're at home and you're watching this and you're struggling maybe with a word spoken over your life, a name you've been tagged with, something you're currently, currently carrying, and you need to get on the other side of that, I wanna pray with us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the promise of your word. I thank you, God, that even though we so eagerly sometimes look for the approval of this world and personal accomplishments, God, what's gonna always carry us through is how you see us, what you say about us. And so, Father, I pray that your word would overcome the words of every other person spoken over every person listening to this message. I pray that you will rebrand people that feel rejected, people that feel abandoned. I pray you will rebrand them as accepted and adopted. And, Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Hey, listen, real quick before we close. Ultimately, man, Jesus, he showed up to make us accepted and that ultimately comes when we put our trust in him as our savior. And when you put your hope in Jesus, you get accepted in heaven. You become a child of God. But that's your decision to put your hope and trust in Jesus. And so if you've never said yes to God's grace, we all need grace, we're all sinners. And Jesus is the only one who showed up to be our savior. He's the only one who came to rescue us. He's the only one who died for us. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna pray a final prayer. If you wanna pray with me, you can. If you wanna give your life to Christ, you can do it right where you are. You just whisper this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you value me, that you died for me. I put my hope in you. I ask you to forgive me, save me, come into my life and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you just prayed that prayer, if you'll text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000, man, we love to connect with you. Let's move further in our journey together. Faith Church family, we love you, man. Thanks for showing up today. We'll see you guys next week for another broadcast here at Faith Church. God bless you guys.